Dr. Kylie has helped me overcome so many ailments. She really listens and never judges. I highly recommend anybody start working with Dr. Kylie. You can get started inside the membership. Come join us where you will not only get access to me on live calls, but you also get the answers to questions just like yours on my private podcast. This level of attention and help is only available inside the membership. So stop relying on late night Google searches and start getting the answers and relief you desire. I can't wait to welcome you in and I can't wait to celebrate your success next. Let's get started. Hey, practitioners, health coaches, docs, everybody who finds themselves in shoes like mine, the doors of opportunity are open again. Go check it out. We did some major upgrades and listen to your feedback inside the mastermind. Doors will open all of October and close November 1st at noon Mountain Standard Time. Come join us, btdmastermind.com. Remember, as my friend Chip Gaines says, your purpose is just like mine. It's big and it's important. And there's no one else anywhere on the planet who can fulfill it. So quit messing around and go get them. Let's do this together. I'll see you on the inside. Remember, the doors of opportunity are open right now. What can change in your life, in your future, and in your patients' lives? Let's do this together. btdmastermind.com Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. I have a special friend here. Her name is Cassie. Uh, we've been friends for a long time. In fact, Cassie's mom taught me how to play the piano to the point where I don't play the piano. I don't practice. I just sit down and consigrate and it's all thanks to her mother. But Cassie has a natural birth story I want to I dive into. We're going to get into labor and delivery and breastfeeding and uh, hospital versus at-home births all that fun stuff. And so I just wanted Cassie to join us because she's got the other side of the experience. Really, you've had both sides. You've had the hospital side plus the home birth side. Yeah, I've had I've had a C-section side. I've had a natural birth in the hospital and then a natural home birth as well. So yeah. You've had, had it all. Perspectives, yeah. <laughs> the whole thing. My body has been through the gambit for sure. So Cassie, if you don't mind, tell us, tell us a little background on your, on yourself. I know like you're a pilot, you're Delta pilot. Delta pilot. I am. Yep. So I fly for the airlines. I fly the 737. We first SkyWest for nine years. And then I've been on with Delta for five years. I love it. I get to be me. Um, It's a great job for my family. And I just, I love doing it. I love the adventure of it and the art of flying. Not to mention some of the perks of being a pilot. You're always flying somewhere on some vacation. You're the pilot and then you're a mom. And you've had three experiences now. So walk us through the C-section. I've never experienced that and I hope to never experience that. But I know many listeners have. So your C-section story first. So my C-section story, I don't want to scare anybody because <laughs> I think mine was, mine was traumatic and it doesn't need to be traumatic. 
I would say the best thing to prepare yourself for, I think they do something now called a gentle cesarean so that you can get some of the benefits like skin to skin and different things afterward. So I had planned on having a natural birth in a hospital with my first baby and um, he was breached though. And so I was looking at different doctors that would maybe do a breech birth. You know, I was kind of, I gave up on the fact that he probably wasn't going to turn. And anyway, my water broke and it kind of tied me in. Like there's nothing after your water breaks, they can't turn them. And he was still breech and they don't do hospital breech bursts uh, or rarely if they do anymore because they don't teach it in medical school. Like they don't teach it. And so nobody knows how to do it. It's a liability. So they just don't do it. So they do a C-section. And I was so scared to do a C-section because I've broken my arm in half a couple times. And so I found out that I can't take heavy pain medication because I tried oxycodone, Percocet, Loratab, whatever. I tried them all and I they all made me so sick. Couldn't do it. And so I thought, what am I going to take after having my major surgery that is going to cut it. I'm going to have to nurse a baby. I'm going to have to take care of a baby and I can't take pain medication. So that was scary to me. Uh, I was a little scared for an epidural um, just because I've heard people say, oh, I've had, I have headaches now or I have whatever, you know? And so I was like, oh, geez. And then I was mourning all the things that we were going to miss out on that I've learned about, like how beneficial skin to skin is and the delayed cord clamping and just this whole bonding thing with my baby afterward. Uh, I was really sad that that wasn't going to happen. So anyway, anesthesiologist comes in. He, um, well, before he came in, let's talk about my provider. So she was a midwife. I was sitting there and I was sad because I was going to have to do this thing I had not planned on at all. And so I was fighting my contractions, you know, I was, because I was in labor and I wasn't really handling them the way I'd trained to handle them. Uh, in my hypnobirthing class and stuff. And and she said to me, and you were going to do this natural. So she kind of mocked me, which was pretty mean because <laughs> I was in a really vulnerable state. And I was like, no, I was I, I was going to do this natural. Like, that's what I'm so upset about. Like, I, I this isn't bringing my baby to me. You're going to cut my baby out. You know, like I, so the, these contractions aren't helping me. They're just hurting me. And so it was frustrating. And she was like, have you always gotten everything you've wanted in your life? And I was like, uh, I guess, you know, not thinking, of course I haven't gotten everything I've wanted in my life, but who else that? And she's like, well, what a spoiled brat you are. And I was like, while you're in labor, yeah, this is me in labor. And so this is the person I chose to support me, right? Um, in my very first birth, first baby, I'm terrified. So anyway, that happens. And Matt was out of the room when that happened, or else he would have said something. But uh, anyway, anesthesiologist comes in, and he's like, okay, this is going to feel like a bee sting. And I was like, okay, I can handle a bee sting. You know, so I'm sitting there. He put that in. I knew right when he put it in because it, I hurt clear up my back to my neck and down to my butt. Like it just zing. Like it just was like an electrocuted zing. I can't, I can't really explain it. It hurt. 
and it scared me, right? Because he's in my backbone. <laughs> so I was like, all I did was sit up more and I was, I started tapping the chair and I was like, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. And he was like, nothing's wrong, you're fine. And Matt was like, well, what if something is wrong? He's like, you don't know what she's feeling. Like, maybe you should listen to her. And he started getting mad at Matt. And he was like, I've done hundreds of these. It doesn't hurt at all. I've had one myself. And I was like, no, it hurts. It hurts up my back. It hurts. Something's wrong. And um, and Matt was like, maybe you should be a little more professional and listen to your patient. You know, he's like, you don't, you don't know what she's feeling. And the guy was like, he just yelled at him. He was like, get out of here. And Matt was like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> not leaving my wife in labor. No. I took a time out and I'm like, um, are we fighting with him? Like, what is going on? But I, I was just like, it was just the weirdest twilight zone of a thing. This is supposed to be a happy, amazing time. And I was just, everybody was not really being that nice. And I, I was like, I don't understand. So, Anyway, I go in, they cut my baby out. The doctor, the doctor that did it, his name was Dr. Housel, which he was wonderful. He was an awesome doctor. He even told me, he's like, your body didn't do this with the breach thing. He's like, you can, you can do a VBAC next time. He gave me some hope, which was really cool during all of this other stuff that was going on. Um, anyway, he clamped the cord so Matt could at least cut the cord. So we'd have that. And Anyway, that midwife that was mean to me, she went and just cut it. And um, it because he had it clamped the way he did, blood exploded everywhere. Like it was on the ceiling. It was all over Dr. Hazel's face. It jumped the fence and hit me in the face. And she was just laughing. And here she took away, like Matt didn't even get to cut the cord. And Dr. No wonders why you did a home birth and said uh, screw the hospital <laughs> those are awful I know and so there was that and then so they they show me my baby for like two seconds and they take him and I was like okay so now I'm like go with him Matt and so now it's just me and it's quiet and my body's moving but I can't see anything and this weird music's playing and I'm just like and here I am I'm empty now and I don't have my baby <laughs> sorry I can I still cry a little when I tell this, but I, I do a lot better now. I used to like ball when I told this story. So I look over and I see the mean anesthesiologist. I was like, will you please just come talk to me? I need someone to talk to. And he ignored me. <laughs> um, he was like a foot from me. And so he could hear well, me. Meanwhile, you're there. like exposing everything to these people. Right. <laughs> Right. And my baby's gone and I'm just here. And um, so anyway, this nurse that was further away, why I knew he could hear me is because this nurse that was further away came over and she was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Are you okay? And I was like, I just need somebody to talk to. I was like, tell me everything about yourself. (laughs) Tell me everything about you. I just want to know about you because I didn't want to be in me anymore. Right. Then, you know, like I didn't want to. And the the hospital you went to, like they're well known for labor and delivery. Right. You got the rotten eggs that night. The rotten eggs that day. 
And so I wanted to, and so when I wanted to keep my placenta afterward, and I overheard them saying when I, they're like, they dropped my placenta on the floor <laughs> of the hospital on the way out. And so I was like, what? And I don't want to, oh, it's been on the floor. Can't you get staff from that in a hospital? I don't know. So I'm like, well, I'm probably not going to use that placenta now. But anyway, they brought me in, gave me a grant, my baby. And he was like the most perfect nurser in the whole world. That was the silver lining. So, and everything was really fine after that, except I, all I could take was ibuprofen, right? Cause I'm allergic to every other pain med. Um, so if you've ever had major surgery and only been able to take ibuprofen, it was, a, it was an intense five days, you know, it was, and it was in the hospital for a full five days. Cause I couldn't even, I couldn't even get up for three days. I hadn't showered that awesome shower you get to take after having a baby. I didn't get it till day three when I could actually get up. I hadn't brushed my teeth. I didn't know. No one offered to help me do these things. I didn't think about it, but I'm like, oh my gosh. They just didn't take care of me. They don't care. Like, there's just too many people to care. Like, maybe they need to. I don't know. So that was my first experience. <laughs> and then you did it again. <laughs> well, oh, and then the epidural, he did hurt me because the C-section, probably after two weeks, it didn't hurt my back. And still, six years later, hurts sometimes where he put that in. Um, so he had a nerve, he did something, uh, to me, but yeah, it hurt for months after. And my alchemist mother who like put together these oils and would rub that up my spine. That's a good um, way to say it. An alchemist. Alchemist. Um, for, you know, days after was the only thing that would soothe it because I think because it was nerve pain or whatever, it wouldn't, it wouldn't help. It wouldn't help. So that was this little guy. This is Grant that he was my first my first birth but he's an amazing kid huh and just as tender and as sweet as ever and I swear it's because we both went through the ringer <laughs> yeah yeah epidurals I was always terrified to get epidurals too and when I I had my first kid in Oregon and Oregon everybody there is just the thing to do natural it's midwives all over the place like I went to a hospital but I never saw an OB GYN I only saw a midwife. I saw an OBGYN um, throughout pregnancy. And because of the insurance system I was under, I did Kaiser insurance with my husband's work. But I saw, you know, five different OBGYNs throughout the, the pregnancy. And then somebody brand new delivered it. And I had a midwife deliver Easton in the hospital. And I guess she's like world renowned. And they've they tried and tried for years to convince her to come join the hospital force. So for me, my first labor and delivery was like the smoothest thing ever. I, I always told myself I was going to do the whole natural thing. And then I got to like a four and the contractions really started going. I'm like, my body's been through so much with school. Just, just give me the epidural. And I remember I, I, I've never to this day seen the needle. I don't want to look at the size of that thing. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was told that, again, a bee sting when they numb you, yeah. but because of the way my vertebra are stacked on top of each other, they had to go at an angle. So it, it took them a, a minute to get inside. And in the meantime, yeah. I know that anatomy to the T 
And I'm thinking in my head, I've got a needle going through all of these layers and like the most important part of my body, minus the heart and the lungs, right? Like all nerves go through my vertebra and here's this needle puncturing through it. So that one, I actually did it. He did great. And then in my second one, when I had, when I had Hallie, I should say actually technically my third labor and delivery, um, Hallie, I had her in here in Utah with a midwife. Thank heavens. It wasn't your previous experience because my midwife is awesome. She's actually going to come join us on a podcast episode here in the future. So she was there. And then the anesthesiologist who did the epidural here, I did it at Ogden regional. He was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I've heard heard great things about Ogden regional having a baby there. Yeah. I'll probably have the next one whenever that time comes. He put it in first and I'd never heard of this before. And then he did some type of test where he could determine where it was punctured based off of how I felt after this test. And I was like, whoa, 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 I'm getting really lightheaded. So he immediately pulled it and pulled it out. And then we had to numb the next layer up. So that's, that's the hard part is if you have never experienced epidural, it's the numbing that typically hurts. That's the bee sting. He did it the next level. And I kind of explained to him how the anatomy was with my previous experience. And he was able to get it right in. And it was perfect. Never had any problems with it. Um, but I have heard like my cousin, who I'm really close with, went into labor and deli- went into labor like two weeks before I did with Easton and had a horrible experience with the epidural. And she's like, I didn't want to tell you because I knew you were headed right into it. I wanted you to go in with a clean mind. <laughs> No, that's so good because it's so true. It's like some people have great experiences. Like I have friends that they'll do epidural every time because it's not a factor. Like it, it's great for them. And it, and that's the thing. You have to decide what's right for you. There's no, I swear, there's no right way. There really isn't. And and birth is hard no matter how you do it. Whether they cut uh, you up front or you tear on the bottom or whatever. Like it all hurts. <laughs> it's like. I don't know. And some people, it doesn't hurt apparently. And they're better at birth than me. But for me, it's like, I've been in a car accident or something for months after, like, it takes me a while. I'm pretty blessed with this last one. Andrew broke his foot like a week before. And I'm, I got Mm -hmm. induced. I was at a four for like a month. I swear Hallie. So Easton's pregnancy was physically difficult. Hallie's pregnancy was mentally straining. Yeah. So I'm been every time I went into the my midwife, she's like, okay, I'll see you this weekend. You're not gonna make it through the week. Here I am, right. back next week. Same thing, so back she, next week. So finally she calls me up and she's like, Do you want to be induced? I said, Yes, please. And it was like right after it was May of 2020. So the world got shut down in March, right? So it was literally right after. And um, because of that, I had to go in and get the freaking COVID test to prove oh. to myself that I was negative. Like, what happens if I'm positive and I go into labor? Like, you're just going to shut the door and shut me out. Like, then they, they take your baby from you after like, that's what I've heard. Um, well, I, I would have had a home birth. Oh, and that's what I was worried about too. I was like, with what I went through with him and every, the trauma, I was like, if they took my baby afterward, because sometimes there's false positives, you don't even maybe have to. Oh have my it. gosh. Not more, said, not sometimes it's like, 50% of the time you can flip the coin right. and get better and so results. To have them like take my baby afterward and then like make me or make me, make me mask up during labor. I can't even, I can't even imagine that. I, it, so I'd always entertain the idea of having a baby at home, 
But man, COVID threw it over. I was like, I am not going near a hospital unless I have to. Because, and people are like, oh, does that scare you to have a baby at home? I'm like, birth is not an emergency. It isn't. <laughs> like, it was funny. My midwife even said, she's like, oh, Adam, poor Adam and Eve. Like, where did they go? You know, there wasn't a hospital. And it's like, you think of everybody who's been born from like the start of time. You know, and it was like, there were no hospitals. Like, yeah. yes, we're lucky to have things like that where there are emergencies and need to use that up there. But it was like, if everything looks good, if everything looks normal, I knew my body knew what to do because I had Jack that way and everything went off perfectly without a hitch. I was like, there is no reason to think that this is going to go bad. Yeah. And if I, and I had support this time, I had people that, that wanted to help me, that cared, that um it was amazing it was it was right for me maybe it's not right for everybody um I had a friend that just had a a great birth in a hospital and she loves it she loves the hospital food she loves everything about that hospital (laughs) um and she just has good experiences every time and I just didn't so (laughs) you had an awful experience I know it was horrible yeah, well, I'm I'm, so I'm one of those quick recovery people too. So like my husband broke his foot and then the joke was was like who was going to take me to the hospital because it was his driving foot, his right foot. And a week after labor and delivery, I'm mowing our one third acre lawn because his foot's broken and he can't do it, so I get to do it. But for me it was like you know, I have two stitches and I'm ready to roll. My my labor and delivery is, was three minutes long once I started pushing. It's And it's just different. So different for everybody. So, so different. And every single labor is different. It's not like it's... I have a cousin who she's had eight kids in the last 12 years. And we joke around like they're going to have a dozen. And they probably will. But she just loves to be pregnant and loves to have to, to, to do the labor and delivery and loves to have babies. And so heck, 12 kids for her is nothing. She grew up with 13. Oh my word. See, some people I'm just convinced are better at it than others. I remember, uh, with Jack, after I had Jack, they wheeled me out, uh, to like in a wheelchair to the car. And I watched some other lady who was wearing the same mesh underwear I was wearing in jeans she was like in mesh underwear pulled up in jeans and she grabbed her own baby like in the car seat and put it in this truck and I was just like and they had to wheel me out there like I'd been in a car accident you know <laughs> and I was like man some people are just better worth than me but I can still do it and it can still be good you know but it's it's definitely a harder thing and for me and why I've decided I'm like okay three is good I am good. I am 37. If I was younger, maybe I'd do it one more time. I am not younger. I think I am. <laughs> I think we're done. I would be 39 and there's just no way. Yeah. I just, my body's I don't, tired. I don't want to have a baby at 40 either. Okay. So we did, a, we did the bad one. Now let's do the good one. I'll tell you a little about Jack's birth just to compare the two since I did have two natural births. So Jack's birth was in the hospital but I labored at home in the bathtub for like um, pretty much the entire labor. And then my doula was like, oh, we better go to the hospital because she sensed I was going through transition, which I was. Anyway, so by the time we got to the hospital, I was a 10. And they're like, oh, you're ready to push. So they made me push. 
for like an hour and a half. Uh, I didn't need to push for an hour and a half, <laughs> but they made me push for an hour and a half. I was as thirsty as I've ever been in my life. I was like, water, I need water. And they wouldn't give me water, um, no water. And so I was like doing this marathon, but they were like, you can't have any water. And I was like, but I need water. And I, it was, I was so worn out and so tired. Um, and they had me push, push, push and pushing his heart. And I knew not to push. Like when I got to the ring of fire part and end part, I knew not to push as hard as I could, but they, you just do what you're told because you're just vulnerable and you're just like, okay. And you're not in the state of mind. And so I pushed him out. I mean, and it was awesome. Like every, it was obviously 10 times better than the first one, but I had 27 stitches. Like I had this, a pretty bad second degree tear and I was a mess for months, you know? And so what was neat about this, this birth, it was so nice to let my body lead, to have these people just there, not yelling, push at me, you know, just encouraging me um, and helping me along the way. Uh, so Ruby was two pounds heavier than Jack, and I only had five stitches. <laughs> um, and I think I might not have had any stitches, but I was so excited to see her. I rushed it at the end. So that's on me because I actually rushed it. I was like, ah, and I like pushed really hard at the end because I was so excited to hold her. Um, but five stitches, not a big deal compared to the 27. Oh my gosh, it was still it was a recovery. But my water broke like at 2.30 in the morning. And I was like, oh, here we go. And I was so excited. And I told Matt, I'm like, go blow up the pool. And so he came in and he started blowing up the pool and our boys were still sleeping. I'm like, there's really no need to wake him up because for me, uh, labor doesn't get intense until transition. Like I can totally handle labor until transition. Uh, anyway, I wandered around the house and turned on Christmas lights and, uh, cause it was getting close to the Christmas and um, just kind of worked through my contractions. Matt blew up the pool in our room and he filled it up. And I was like, well, I'm going to get in there, I guess, you know? <laughs> so I got in the pool and I draped myself over the side and I totally just fell asleep for like the next couple hours. And I was going through contractions, but I was asleep. So that was amazing. Um, but it was just so relaxed in that warm water. It was so cool. Uh, and then our birth videographer, came and then my midwife friend came who uh she I, I the whole reason I had her come was just to give me water because I never wanted to be as thirsty as I was again uh, in Jack's birth I was like so the whole time I was like will you just shove water in my face just shove me because I get so thirsty um, and she's like sure she gave me so much more than water oh my goodness so she showed up and she woke me up and she's like hey <laughs> I'm like, I probably got in here a little soon, right? She's like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, here, let's get you out and do something called the miles circuit. And so she, I didn't know what that was, but what she had me do um, was she had me get up on the bed and kind of go into like a downward dog yoga pose, except I was laying like this instead of on my hands. And so I had my butt up in the air and she wrapped what's called a rebozo scarf around my butt. And with it in the air and she just kind of shook it like this and it's called shaking the apples and it felt amazing. <laughs> it 
it felt incredible. It was just the best feeling. And what it does, it kind of moves the baby uh, into a good position in the birth canal because we could tell like she was head down and where was she was supposed to be, but she was a little to the left. And so shaking this up just kind of straightened her out. So that felt wonderful. And then she's like, okay, let's just walk down the stairs sideways and then back up the stairs sideways. So we just kind of went slowly at my own pace down the stairs. I worked through a contraction too as we were going back up the stairs. Uh, and then she made kind of a pillow nest on my bed for me. And um, like I had one leg higher than the other and it was like the sideline release thing. They have it on spinning babies, uh, but it's a good position to help move baby down too. And then she just tickled my back and massaged me and did kind of whatever I needed while I worked through contractions there, which was amazing. And then it started to get a little more intense and we could both tell like no one checked me the whole time. Like we had no many, no idea how many centimeters I was or whatever, you know, like uh, how dilated I was. Uh, we just kind of knew where I was because of what was happening. And so I was starting to go through transition. So I got back in the pool and I was, and my midwife came about the time I got back into the pool. Um, my, my hired midwife, whose name is Chris Miller, and she is incredible. She is 76 years old. She may have just had a birthday. She might be 77, um, but she is so experienced. She's been doing this 50 years. And she, I even asked her, I'm like, if this baby is for some reason breach, you know, how many breach births have you done? And she's like, I don't, I can't even count. She, she's done so many breach births. That's because she knows how. And it's never been an emergency. It's always been fine. So I loved having that knowledge there as well as, you know, even though my baby wasn't breached this time. But anyway, she showed up and she knew right away she was watching me labor in the pool. And she knew right away she's like, she has a cervical lip. And I had never even heard of that. And what it is, or an anterior lip, a cervical lip, is basically when part of the cervix doesn't wear away and the baby kind of gets, just gets stuck there. And you can push the baby past it. It's really not that big of a deal, um, but you'll just wear yourself out pushing baby past it. And I wonder if I had it with my second baby, but nobody cared or nobody really knew. And so I just, you know, about killed myself <laughs> trying to push baby past it. So she's like, if I just move that cervical lip, she's like, it's not going to be super comfortable, but she's like, if I move it, she's like, it'll save you like 45 minutes to an hour of labor. And I was like, do it. And so, so she moved that lip and Ruby dropped right down. And I was like, I was getting tired, but I was still in the zone and I was like feeling it. And I was like, I could feel the ring of fire. And I mean, the ring of fire it kind of hurts. It does. But I was so excited to feel it because I knew if I felt it, that meant she was almost here, you know? And so I was like, Oh, so it, I can't even remember it hurting with her. And maybe the water helped that too. I don't know. But I was just so excited to see her and I could just feel her moving down and down with each push. And I kept trying to like, I, I would go on my knees and I'd sit up and I was trying to find the best position possible and my midwife friend just had me and she was right by my ears. And she's like, yes. And she's like, you're, you're trying to make this part feel comfortable. And she's like, this part's not going to be comfortable. She's like, there's no comfortable right here. She, she's like, you just, you just got to do this and you can do it. And she just kept 
whispering these things to me the whole time, even when I was going through transition, because that's the part that's hardest and most intense for me. And she just kept telling me, she's like, you're doing it. She's like, you're doing it. You're doing the hard part. You're doing it. You've got this. You were amazing. You know, like she just was my cheerleader and I needed that. And I was so grateful for that because it just kept me going. So yeah, I, I just pushed Ruby out and, um, well, I pushed her head out first and they were like the heads out. And I was like, give her to me. And they were like, no, you got to push your body out. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And so I like, and, I, and her head was out and I just took a break for a minute. And then I was like, and I just did another good push. And I pushed her body out and it was no factor. And, and they gave her to me and I was just like, oh, good job. Like I was, she and I did this and it was just such a moment of, I don't know if you were able to watch the video, but you can kind of hear it you know, you did so well. You did so good. I love you so much. Like we were just, it was just so cool. And I got to hold her in that water for as long as I wanted. They let me hold her. And then, uh, when I was ready to, to get out and to get stitched or whatever, um, they handed her to Matt and they made him do skin to skin. (laughs) Cause it's good, but he was, he's so private. And he was like, they're like, take off your shirt. And, and he's like, no, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to do that. And, and but it was like four women in there and they're like, take your shirt off. And he's like, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm not in shape, but he, he is, he looks great, but he was worried about all these ladies. But anyway, he got to do skin to skin with Ruby. And then while I was on the bed, um, getting my five stitches, my midwife friend had gone downstairs and she got me a bunch of fruit. And so she was like, feeding me fruit while I was getting stitched and she was like massaging my tickling my face and we were laughing and it was kind of cool it was like as close as you can get to having a baby in a spa I would think that it could be but they were so good to me all of them they were so supportive and so sweet and and then I got to nurse Ruby right away and it was just like it was just the coolest thing and and then a couple hours after I had the baby they all left and Matt and I got to sleep. It was amazing. There was nobody busting in. Torturing you all night long. (laughs) Pushing all my stomach. I was like, I sometimes the hospital to me and not to everybody, obviously, but I'm like, I swear it's like being locked up abroad. They wake you up at two in the morning, flip on the light. They're just there to hurt you. Like, (laughs) and I was like, I remember saying to one nurse, I was like, why are you doing this? You're as tired as you've ever been in your life. And, and to turn on that light, it just, the light hurt, you know? And I was like, I don't even know why you're here. So it was so nice just to rest. And then later that day, Matt was like, should we bring the kids home? I was like, yeah, why not? And so we brought the kids home and they met her. Nobody was in a mask. Nobody was, you know, I mean, they wouldn't have been able to come to the hospital during COVID and stuff. So that was really neat. Matt's like, I went down and make a, made a sandwich. He, and he's so funny. He's just like, if you can do it, he's like, this is the way to do it. He's like, this is the way. Because it was it was just so cool and relaxed and calm. And Ruby is just peace because of it. I swear, she's the most peaceful, sweet little baby. But yeah, it was, and she was almost 10 pounds. She was nine pounds, 13 ounces. And so, and I never in my life would have thought I would ever have a baby that big. (laughs) So it was, I just think it's the coolest thing. Your body just knows and it can do it. it you know, it, it's pretty incredible. It was a neat experience. Yeah, it is crazy. What, what female bodies can do. Like, it's crazy. 
mm-hmm. to be able to grow a baby inside of you and then to labor and delivery. And like you said, you know, hospitals didn't become around until, you know, what, 40, 50 years ago. And right. even the ones now or the last 10 years with the technology. But you think back in like the 1800s, it was just women were having 14, 15 babies. Half of them would survive, yes, but they're all doing them at home. It was right. just commonplace to do it at home. Right. So it is a very big difference. And I know from my experience with Portland, Oregon versus here in Utah, we had a, I mean, in Oregon, like I said, Oregon, I had a midwife that was phenomenal. Um, I pushed, I think I pushed two, two times and Easton was out. And they had the big bathtubs there. You can go sit in the bathtub as long as you wanted and whenever you wanted. And it's just very different upon location too. Where Utah here, I don't know of any hospitals that have the bathtubs. Maybe they do, but at least not Ogden. They have them, but they like, they had one at McKady, but they wouldn't let me in it because my water had already broken. Yeah, And so I don't know if they let you in it. Like they're scared of infection and liability for that reason. Um, but I mean, my, that's how my labors always start with all three of my kids, my water break, like my water breaks. And then that's my start of labor. Um, and so I, I wouldn't have been able to have been in a pool, you know, in a hospital, at least in Utah, maybe, maybe in Oregon, they're, they're more lenient with that, which would be great. But I was like you, I went to the pool and I went back to my room and fell asleep. My midwife friend. Uh, I was asking about, I'm like, so what if there is an emergency, you know, like, obviously before you do a home birth, you want to get all of your concerns out there. You like, like what the, all the what ifs. And she's like, we know things are not going well way before it's an emergency (laughs) because they watch you. They are just with you. They watch you the entire time. We're in the hospital. They're kind of in and out, you know, they're, they check you. They're like, okay, the machine says you're here or you're dilated to here or, and then they leave and, you know, they just kind of, they don't sit there and watch you. And so if all of a sudden it's an emergency, it's because no one was really watching that develop into an emergency, you know, like they weren't, but with a midwife, they can, they know their limitations. They know when things aren't going well. Uh, If you need to transfer to a hospital, if you need to call an ambulance, you know, like that's all there, but um. So I, I knew I was in good hands where they knew, you know, because a lot of people are probably like, oh, that is so stupid. Like, why would you have a baby at home with modern technology and all this stuff? And I just, I'd been through the ringer with different Yes, you have. <laughs> you had awful experiences. I know. I was like, I just want a peaceful, kind of normal, if that's possible for me, birth. <laughs> you know? I just wanted that. And I'm so grateful that we got it. And I, it was because I chose a great team um, that really helped me and trusted my body and was encouraging and loving and everything I needed to help me successfully bring Ruby here. Yeah. I always think I want to do it. And then the pain of the contraction starts. and it's like, Oh no, just give me the epidural. You need to do a hypnobirthing class. Like do a hypnobirthing class with your husband because we only did it once with, and it was for Grant's birth that I didn't get to use it at all. But I was able to use the techniques I learned. I still use the techniques I learned. If I have 
any sort of pain. It's amazing what you can do if you can learn to relax your body that much. It's just not as bad. Like it, it, the pain is very manageable. It starts here, I think. You just really have to learn how to relax your body because naturally we just kind of tense up like when it hurts. We just would do. And it was even hard, even knowing what I know during the labor, like there was even part of the labor. My midwife was like, she's trying to get away from it. I heard her say this because it's funny because you're, they don't think you can hear everything, but you can hear everything that's going on. <laughs> and I, she was like, she's trying to get away from it. And she was right. I was just like, I mean, it was so intense. I was like trying to get away from it. <laughs> I didn't want to feel that anymore. But I was like, but then at the same time, I was like, no, I had to get back there here. And I'm like, I have to do this. Like no one can do this except me. I kind of like pep talk my way back into it, you know, during that thing. Cause I'm, you're just in your head, but it's intense and it's not for everybody. And it's fine. Like just like breastfeeding. It's like, if you can do it, like whatever way you do it, whether you choose to have a C-section or if you choose to do an actual birth or a epidural or a home birth, or you choose to breastfeed or you don't choose to breastfeed, like, it's okay. It's fine. Like different things are right for different people. And you just kind of you do what feels right for you. And you can't really compare to anybody else. This is your experience. This is your thing. And you just make it what you can and do the best you can. And then it's a good experience, whatever it was. I like that. I like that. Just do what's best for you and know that your experience is unique to you. All right, Cassie. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, I hope listeners whether we have had labor and delivery stories ourselves, had some good flashback memories of those times, but also of those times of, that we remind our bodies how truly remarkable they really are. Female, male, both of them. I, I just learned recently that our bodies can actually produce or make arteries within four days. Like if there's a blockage in your artery, your body will make new ones and go around it in four days. That's how phenomenal, remarkable our bodies are. Sometimes, like you said, we get in our own heads and we don't allow our bodies to do what they need to do and what they're trained to do and what they're designed to do. They're designed to do. Exactly. Exactly. And I would encourage anybody who has had, because there's other people that have had traumatic birth experiences, um, get with somebody or a birth group or something. I, I went to a birth group and I was able to tell my story with people that actually cared and could empathize. And even telling you my story, every time you tell your story, it's healing. It's, I don't know. So just keep telling your story and keep sharing your stories because it's, I don't know, the healing, healing takes a long time. <laughs> Well, we're, we're all in this together, no matter what your story is, whether you're struggling with infertility or you're had awful hospital experiences or awful experiences with doctors. I know a lot of people don't trust doctors who are listening to this. And I know a lot of doctors and practitioners and health coaches who are listening to this that have, have had their own health journey, but just ultimately is just to remind ourselves that we're all on our own journey, but yet we're all in this together. Be encouraging and helpful. <laughs> yeah, always be positive. Always be positive, especially when a mom is going through labor. I Don't know. tell her she's spoiled and that's terrible. <laughs> it's kind of mean. All right. We'll end on a good note. Ladies, your bodies are remarkable. Don't forget that. 
I hope you learned as much as I did from that discussion. Now, I'm in need of your help. I'm writing a book because of overwhelming requests. I'll be teaching you how to transform those normal labs into answers, healing, and hope. Whether you're a practitioner or trying to take charge of your own health, what questions do you have about blood work and labs? I'd love to answer those questions inside the book. To submit your questions for a chance to be answered within those pages, text 855-499-2555. Once again, that's 855-499-2555. Then stay tuned. You just might have a special place inside the Q&A at the end of each chapter. Next, come join the membership. You not only get access to me on live calls, but you also get the answers to questions just like yours on my private podcast. This level of attention and help is only available inside my membership. So stop relying on late night Google searches and start getting the answers and relief you desire. I can't wait to welcome you in. Get all the details and join us at drkylieburton.com backslash healing dash beyond dash the dash diagnosis. See you on the inside.